Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, starring Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. More like How to Sign Another 6-5 and Underguard with a 10-Day, starring Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss. I actually prefer the McConaughey-Hudson rom-com version, but whatever. Sterling Brown! Now, if we're talking about sterling silver and silver linings to cling on to this season... I can't think of a better one than the Lakers hitting a mini stride to enter the new year and aggressively climbing their way back towards 500, having won a season-high five games in a row, six out of their last seven. Accompanied with LeBron James starting to put the media pressure back on the front office and AD quietly set to ramp up his workout soon, how much more silver do we need? Well, we could actually use a trade, Rob. Anyways, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I'm joined by a special guest, first time on the Lakers Legacy podcast, a late-night Lake Show representative, one of Ricky Barnes' disciples, Mr. Omar Siddiqui. I should have asked you, Omar, how to pronounce your last name, but I hope I did it justice. Omar, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. How are you doing? You did it perfect. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to your gang uh, of the Legacy uh, Lakers Legacy podcast. I'm actually really excited to be on this podcast. It's one of my favorite Lakers-centric podcasts. I love your guys' content, the honest but measured takes that you guys have. I love it. I love the content you guys provide. Um, but yeah, with all that said, the first thing I did, I'll be honest with you, the first thing I did is when I saw Sterling Brown come up on my phone, I went to Google and I searched, what is this man's height? Yep. And it came back 6'5". There you and go. And I was not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> this front office, everyone involved with it, they are allergic or anemic to anyone size or with a height above 6'8". And I cannot yes. begin to explain why. I, I, I do not understand it. The team that won the championship, the bubble championship, whatever you want to call it, we had multiple six seven six eight sized wing Mm -hmm. players and why we went so far away from that that's you know another story for another day um but there is so much to talk about and i'm so excited to 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 break it down and i'm glad to have you here omar thanks for pinch hitting for uh tommy who's currently out on paternity leave i know with you have two kids of your own so i'm sure you know all about that oh yeah he is going through the rigors of sleep training with his son and is 
up at odd hours of the day and it's not the best for podcasting obviously oh it's really it's really challenging congrats to him yeah for sure so um before we get underway do you why don't you plug the stuff you're doing over at lnls um and anything else you want to um plug social media wise yeah absolutely so you guys can find me on twitter at osed24 24 for you know the black mamba kobe bryant rest in peace uh and you can find me on the late night lake show podcast and everything we're doing we're you know pumping out articles we're pumping out spaces i'm sure you guys have seen that um we're you know we're on youtube we're on tiktok we're on instagram we're pretty much everywhere and in everywhere we can be <laughs> in providing lakers related content so uh you know the seasons had has had its ups and downs and join us and you know in this collaboration with lakers legacy and yeah. you know talking about the lakers and how we can you know continue on this uh mini win streak of five games which is the longest active one in the nba i, I love <laughs> pointing crazy. that out to my uh celtic fan friends that are here uh but i don't i don't get to go too far in that conversation but with them having <laughs> the best record in the nba but hey you gotta you gotta you gotta have your fun right when you can absolutely and uh you and ricky and the late night lake sh- late night lake show crew do some tremendous work i know your spaces Thank have you. been a therapeutic space for a lot of lakers fans right, post game yeah. this season um so in this episode and we just for the record we are recording this prior to the lakers game versus the denver nuggets lebron james will be sitting that one out regardless uh for today's episode we will give our midway temperature check on this team and their current you know, mini hot streak that they've been riding these last few games, and also give our personal outlooks on the rest of the season. We will also talk about LeBron's very recent pointed comments indirectly, directly to the front office, where I believe the quote was, we know what the F they should be doing. (laughs) I like that. I like that headline. Um, And then we will probably close the episode talking about some other 10 day options. I mean, I hope Sterling Brown isn't on for too much longer, but we'll talk about some other 10-day options and the possibility of the Lakers signing DeMarcus Cousins, who they're slated to work out this week. Okay, Omar, let's get into it. The Lakers are now 19-21, and probably 19-22 and by the end of the night with LeBron sitting out, although, you know, with what happened against the Heat last week, who knows, maybe they'll be 20-21. and Regardless, the Lakers have bounced back from losing four in a row to close December to win six out of their last seven. They are just a half game out of the eighth seed, just one and a half games out of the fifth seed, where the 20 and 18 Kings lie, who the Lakers just beat in. (laughs) That was a barn burner of a game uh, this past weekend. So yeah, the Lakers are rolling in the right direction. Role players like Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder, and Wenyan Gabriel have looked downright incredible and Westbrook is actually playing like a 15 to 18 million dollar player who's contributing positively who's contributing positively to this team on multiple levels the last 15 games the Lakers lead the league in points at 120.8 points ahead of the Brooklyn Nets if you can believe it or not that's crazy they are third in field goal percentage at 51.4 percent so they are doing something right in the paint And with regards to three-point shooting, they are also seventh in the league in that time span, three-point shooting-wise, at 38%. Though volume-wise, they're still at 19th in makes, so clearly they're not like a sniping three-point shooting team, but they are a pretty good, efficient three-point shooting team, or at least they have become that. 
And then on the season, they are second in pace right behind the Warriors. Okay. I'll caveat that, though, by saying if you look at the top five teams in pace on the year, the Warriors, the Lakers, Kings, the Thunder, and the Timberwolves, they're all teams that aren't that good or have struggled at parts in this season. So it's almost like these teams are using pace to overcompensate for something. Mm-hmm. In the Lakers' case, it's their lack of size, shooting, and half-court yeah. deficiencies. But that said, at least the Lakers are finding productive ways to counteract their deficiencies, right? And that's by being at the top of pace, the top of the league in pace. So with that said, Omar, and that sort of context laid out, what's been working in this recent run and what stood out to you, whether it's from the macro sense, team-wide, or individual players? Yeah, so I think, you know, one thing that stands out to me is in lieu of the injuries that the that have hit the Lakers, I think we've seen a bit more traditional lineups uh we've seen a little bit more of jta getting minutes once he came back uh we've even seen wenyan gabriel and thomas bryant out there together uh that was not the case at times this season uh but we've we've started to see you know what a little bit more size does for the lakers um and it just helps with like little stuff right like you know like rebounding boxing like when we have three we're not seeing as many three four guard lineups out there and albeit, you know, the opponents haven't been, you know, the greatest or I think two out of six or seven of them were above 500. Um, and, you know, this team likes beating on beating up on lesser 500 version teams, mm-hmm. which is, you know, expected when you have LeBron James, uh, even Westbrook who's playing like a 15, 18 million dollar player. Uh, you, you can your margin for error is there. Right. But when you start facing the, you know, the tougher teams or the deeper teams, those deficiencies that you mentioned um definitely hits you in the face uh the shooting you know that was bound to you know we there was bound to be some regression with that like i think it was historic right the way we started the season um like i forget the numbers but like it was it was putrid (laughs) the way five five straight games of 20 percent 20 percent yeah 20 percent which was unheard of right and and there's so much like back and forth about like oh if the those players just hit a few more we win the you know games here and there but like they aren't shooters right like we're asking so many of these guys who are vet minimum vet minimum type guys to play not only out of position but we're asking them to do way more than they should be normally doing right like most of these guys are probably bench players or reserve players on you know other better you know deeper teams um so that's another thing. Shooting has definitely helped this window. Like the game against, uh, it was, I think the, was it the Hornets? No, it was the Miami Heat game. I think we shot really well. And I expected, um, you know, Miami to make their comeback and ultimately win that game. But, you know, Dennis stepped up huge. You know, he's been on a heater recently, like hitting. I mean, he's unconscious uh, from, from yep. what is his norm in, in terms of three-point shooting. Thomas Bryant, I mean, he's been a home run yeah. signing by the, by the by the front office, and I was like a big proponent in getting him. Uh, I knew he was mulling over like the Celtics and maybe another team and, and the Lakers. I just felt like he's going to be a good fit no matter what. Like obviously, there's that injury concern and this and that, and his defensive you know concerns are there too. But like for a vetman guy, like what you're getting out of it is you know it's a home run signing, and not so much with the Damian Jones thing, but that's why you take these types of flyers. Um, you know, those, those two, uh, players have definitely played above their contract at this point. Um, 
and uh, and we talked about the the teams as well. Um, but this micro ball scheme that they've been running, uh, it, it's really allowed them to get out in transition, mm-hmm. and you know really put pressure on the rim, um, which has yeah. led to wide open three pointers. And I, what I've also noticed is when they you know take care of the damn ball, they're in a lot of these games, right? Mm-hmm. But when they play, you know foolish or careless with the ball there is just not that large of a margin of error for them because you know again when it when the going gets tough that three ball is not going to fall for them because they don't really have those snipers like you said and then we also don't have the you know the requisite defenders to to get stops when needed right we can we play a really good half court team defense right but that's only only can get done so much right when you're going up against these superstars like Jimmy Butler in the second half, like he kind of got whatever he wanted when when he wanted, um, and then obviously against the better teams, you kind of see that as well. But some of these things, you know, they're trend. Things are trending in the right direction, but I think you know ultimately what I come back to, and I think you'll agree to, is that the front office just needs to make a damn trade, right? Yeah. Like, there's just so many of these players that are you know playing out of position, playing really well. But it can't. It's not reliable. It's not sustainable. Yes. You know what I mean. So like when we do, like like you said, we're we're facing against De- Denver, and surprisingly, we've already beat them three times this season. I think. Um, so I guess it's okay to, to drop one of these games against them, especially on the road. No LeBron. Uh, my expectations will be very very low. But when we do go against these like tougher, better teams, what's going to happen? You know, in the fourth quarter, when when teams decide to put their center on Russ Westbrook. Right, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's kind of the same types of issues that we run into, even in that Celtics game where we're up eleven or thirteen, whatever it was, and you know our half court offense isn't there anymore because things, the pieces, like the way the team was constructed, it was built for a trade, <laughs> and but yes. the trade hasn't happened. So it's it's there's only so much the coaches can do, the only so much the scheme can do, and then there's only so much the players can do. It's yes. now, you know, the ball's on the front office's court. And I've been saying that from day one. And I've been probably less critical of the coaches, players, all this kind of stuff. Because, you know, they can only do so much, right? But the front office expectations are like, you got to make lemonade and oranges out of these lemons. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you could do that, right? And actually, you, you've taken it, you've taken the conversation in a direction I wanted to take it initially in terms of, I was going to ask you, Okay, even with all of this momentum and this positive trend, winning five games in a row, how how real is this? Like, does this make are the Lakers a good team in your eyes? And you've kind of already hinted at your answer that you have to qualify things right and add context to this recent stretch because the Lakers have won some legitimately and objectively good games that I didn't expect them to win, like yeah. the Miami Heat game without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I didn't expect them to win against the no Kings way. on the road, yeah. you know? So they've won objectively good games. But to your point, h- how much of it is a flash-in-the-pan guys just coming together to overcome their deficiencies and play above their heads? And that includes... You know, asking LeBron James to play back-to-back 39-minute games where he drops 47 and 43, right? That is not Insane, a sustainable yeah. equation for the rest of the season, especially if you have playoff aspirations, right? So I think what the front office should do with this little mini hot stretch here is, one, not take it for granted, right? <laughs> and find a way to bolster that so that when things regress to the mean negatively, you're prepared for that, you know, because you know, at the very least, when the time comes for it, 
these players can step up. They just need to be slotted more correctly. And, yeah. you know, on, on the macro, you know, as you mentioned, the, the, the Lakers have done a really good job and Darvin Ham has done a really good job of counteracting their size disadvantage with being scrappy, frenetic, and really pushing the pace. Yeah. And LeBron, I mean, obviously, we didn't mention LeBron just because it's like almost, you don't, it goes without stating, but LeBron has been magnificent in this stretch. He's right? been incredible. From yeah. the back-to-back 40-point games to like seven straight 30-plus point games to, I think overall, just looking physically dominant and healthy is the most important part. LeBron has played at an MVP level in the last few weeks, and he's really been the engine that, you know, drives this ragtag Lakers group along. But again, you can't expect LeBron to do this for the rest of the season. You know, I'm glad we were able to hit a a relatively easier stretch because if even if you're looking at the teams who like were sort of at 500 or, or in the playoff mix, like the Hawks, Kings and the Heat, those also happen to be more specifically with the Hawks and the Heat, teams who are in limbo and turmoil just like the Lakers. So it's almost like an easier competitive team, if that makes any sense. We, we managed to catch these teams who are just, they don't know what the hell they're doing with their seasons as well. So I feel like we kind of got to, we've got to contextualize this recent stretch. Um, definitely give everybody their flowers who deserves For those sure. flowers. LeBron James, Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder, Wenyan Gabriel, Russell Westbrook, Darvin Ham. And then we, we need to take that and go on the offensive and not just, you know, waste this time and waste this comeback that we've made to crawl back to 500. Omar, you don't know this, but I'm already entitling this episode Fortune 500 for Fortune, you know, Lakers dot 500 for the Lakers <laughs> climbing their way back to 500, hopefully within the next week or two. But yes, the Lakers and the front office need to be aggressive and take advantage of this time and how much energy and effort LeBron James, Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder have expended. I think the one thing that can't be sort of quantified that this Lakers team has had this season that I especially like is just the amount of fight and bounce back that they've yeah. had. That's obviously, it obviously helps that they, we have way better legs than we did last year. That helps a lot. Definitely. Um, but you mentioned it and I mentioned it on Twitter, like during the weekend, but the more this team and its players continue to give their all and outdo expectations and overcome the systemic problems placed on them by the front office, the more fans should be incensed and annoyed that the front office didn't do the same for them before the season began by making the trades necessary to build a more balanced and competent roster that had time to grow and build. Because if you look at this team right now and you see this roster with LeBron and a bunch of vet men reclamation projects, and if you see that they can find a rhythm within three weeks without AD, think about what LeBron could do with actual consistent NBA help, like a Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, or Bojan Bogdanovich, right? So I commend this group for being so resilient. I commend them for taking things on the chin and playing above their punching weight, outplaying their minimum deals and outplaying the wonky roster context that this front office has placed on them. But at the end of the day, I'm reaching the same point as you with regards to, is this Lakers team a good, can beat you on any night sort of regular season team that can run hot? Yes, they are. Yeah, they're a team that can beat the Bucks, like a top level team on one night, but they're also a team that can lose to one of the worst teams in the league on any other given night like right. they did to the Hornets, right? Yeah. So with that said, I feel like it's important for the front office to do their job and just fortify the edges here and really 
be serious about taking this team seriously because the guys are ready. You know what I mean? LeBron is ready. And so I guess let's take it to that that point right there. What are your thoughts on LeBron James' very pointed comments um, post-game after the Kings win to Sam Amick? If any of you haven't read that article yet by Sam Amick, it pretty much came right after the Kings game. So definitely check it out. But the gist of it is LeBron pretty much indirectly spelling out to the front office that hey, things should have been done at this point by now. If they haven't, then they need to be done soon. So what are your thoughts on on that and just uh, what that looks for the Lakers' outcome coming up? Yeah, I, I want to even take a step back with that, right? LeBron is surprisingly to me, he signed that extension maybe like day one, day two when, when he was el- eligible. Yeah. So you ha- you would have, as a fan, right, and especially where things were at the time with the co- the roster and, and everything, you had to imagine that there was some sort of wink wink or some sort of like handshake, like I, I guarantee or promise you that things will be better or things will change. Mm-hmm. And and I can't imagine, you know, if I'm LeBron and I'm turning, I'm 37, about to turn 38 in my, in year 20. And I, and I want to be struggling in these games, like the dog days of the regular season where I'm putting up like MVP level performances, which I'm sure for, for him, he doesn't mind doing, but like for him at this point, like he, he wants to preserve his body and be playing in May, June, right? When, when things matter and he gets to add to his already, you know, uh, legacy that that's already, you know, so, uh, allotted um because at this point i mean you know his legacy is where his legacy is at so that's number one right and then number two the west is wide open (laughs) like we started the season two and ten and you know since then i think what we've been like 17 and 11 if my math is correct and i think based off today and, and a bunch of you know surprise losses last night we're like two games out of like sixth seed or the fifth seed Mm-hmm. Um, which is insane, right? And like, there's a there's definitely a lot of things that you just mentioned, right? That was different from last year, right? The young legs is, is a big key, but definitely something that's resonated with me in watching the team and the players and the way they talk about each other. Is they're they're all the way bought into Coach Ham and and his philosophy, and I totally get like, I mean, actually, no, I don't get the t- like the incessant like criticism and you know lineup and rotations and all this kind of stuff that he gets flack for on twitter uh just because like again like look at what he's working with and compare it to other teams and rosters like that are smart when they're building a roster with their two superstars or however many superstars they have but finally like i'm 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 actually happy that he's starting to publicly go out and make these comments uh, I, I know he sent out a quote tweet and he kind of maybe walked back his comments. I don't necessarily believe it. I think the, the message is still out there, right? No matter what you want to say on Twitter. Um, and Sam and Mick, like, I mean, he his sourcing is obviously legitimate and he's with the Athletic. And I, I'm just hoping something gets changed, you know, a, a move gets made. Um, I was hoping for something get you know, a bit earlier in the season so that we can kind of make what was not working you know like in in a temporary setting um but again like lebron needs to continue applying pressure to the front office so do the other stars so do us as fans right like we need to keep on tagging the lakers genie bus everyone involved to to (laughs) to not take these years for granted and i don't I, i i don't understand why they're so obsessed with not giving away picks 
in the past, they, they've always given picks. They gave a damn first-round yep. pick when acquiring Russell Westbrook, and they did not care about it then, right? And I get I get it. They, they you know, they that move obviously was not the best move, right? We're, we're, all, we're all in agreement, but it's okay that you made a mistake, right? And it, that's the first step. Identify you made a, made a mistake, but don't take it out on your superstar players right now in, the, in this team, yeah. right? And especially the fans. The fans want uh, this team to be competitive, to go into the playoffs, and not have to be reading all these articles about, you know, luxury tax this and repeater tax this. And, and you are a, a global brand, the Lakers, right? And it's a billion-dollar entity. Like, you, you should not be thinking about this. But here we are, of course. And, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get into more of this stuff later. I think I think there's another part of this that will be fun to talk about. But... Man, I, I just really hope something gets done sooner than later. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's so ridiculous that we started this season off with almost this, they didn't directly say it, but the implied notion was the Lakers front office want LeBron James and AD to prove it to them with the roster that they That's constructed, ridiculous. which was an imbalanced roster that they know was imbalanced because they weren't going to make a move unless it made them a championship team. So they came into the season knowing it wasn't a championship team. And to have this notion that LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the two superstar Hall of Famers that took this franchise out of the dredges for like 10 years and got them a championship, that they now had to prove to this front office that this season was worth saving. And then, you know, towards like December, when I saw this quote from, I forgot who reported it, but the phrasing was sort of like, Anthony Davis has forced the front office's hand. And I was like, what do you mean force the front office's hand? Like force them to do their job in improving the team? Isn't your job to improve the team? And look, I understand I'm simplifying things. Like it's not that hard to make a deal, et cetera. But at the same time, a a more savvy general manager would have gotten something done by now. We've had a year of Russell Westbrook trade talk, for example, and we have waffled back and forth. We know the deals the Lakers have reneged on and rejected. The Miles Turner and Buddy Heald thing was on the one-yard line. We know they decided to back off of that, right? So I'm glad LeBron is finally calling them out publicly, even if it's in an indirect fashion. Obviously, he isn't innocent in all of this because, like you mentioned, he did sign the extension. It would have been more powerful, I think, to hang that over their heads. But at the same time, he was promised very specific things when he signed that extension. There is Mm -hmm. no doubt. And those things have not come to fruition. So for LeBron to have to make his case known by busting his ass every night without his superstar co-star and Anthony Davis and playing... 39 minutes in games and dropping 40 points and seven straight 30 plus point games. It shouldn't get have to get to that point uh, for the front office to do something. But like you mentioned, here we are now. So let's hope that this actually let's hope that the front office mirrors the team and its players all in this, if that makes sense, you know, because so far they have not done their best for this team the way that Dennis Schroeder has done his best. Thomas Bryant has done his best. You know, Troy Brown Jr. in some respects has done his best, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Russell Westbrook has done his best, given the context. You know, this guy does not want to be here. He did not want to be here coming into this season because of the weird politics surrounding even knowing that he could be traded at any one point. And he decided to put his head down and get to work. Guess what, Rob Palenka? Not to say he hasn't been doing his work, but 
I feel like we could be doing better here. As yeah. evidenced by the fact that we still have like seven guards on this roster, <laughs> no, no competent shooting and no size. So with that said, why don't we take it to break here? And when we return, we can talk more about what the rest of this season looks like and get into some 10-day stuff as well. So we will catch you guys after the break. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O.co. All right, so we are back. Quick question for you, um, Omar, that we don't have to get too deeply into, but with how Russell Westbrook is playing, I feel like I always do this segment once every couple podcast yeah. episodes, but where do you stand now on the keep Russ versus trade Pat Bev slash none slash Damian trade angle? Or I guess, where do you stand on the keep Russ versus trade Russ angle? And look, I mean, as I've been saying all episode long, he's been a good soldier. He's been legitimately good. Um, having said that, and I always go back to this as well, and I don't want to steal your thunder and giving an answer, but I feel like we always have to put into context that regular season Russ is a thing. He's really good in the regular season. He did Mm -hmm. this for the Washington Wizards, and he typically excels when a team is battered and beaten down and only has sort of veteran minimum prospects around him because he can kind of do his thing. And the fact that he's been coming off the bench and we finally got that synergy to sort of work, I think has even helped Russell Westbrook. And But I think having said all that, we always need to keep in context with Russell Westbrook, regular season Westbrook, and what happens in the playoffs. And if this team actually has serious plans to make some noise in the playoffs... They need to think about, they need to seriously think about what they're going to do with Russell Westbrook and whether they want to play with fire, a $47 million fire, by the way, if as they head into the playoffs, you know, and that's not even taking into account, you know, the, the trade asset implications of just letting $47 million expiring walk out the door and not getting anything for it. But yeah, where do you stand on it now? Yeah, despite everything you mentioned, I'm still on the, the trade Russ front. Um, and, and I, totally get he's been a good soldier he's definitely bought in he's made improvements to uh his game coming off the bench definitely being a playmaking uh player that's his main focus um and a defender at times like when when he's you know when the games get tight he'll he'll make some uh clutch uh defensive possessions but it's just the and and, you know i kind of always get back on this but like the front office right it's asset management uh, type of thing that we're really, really weak at. And I think this is, you know, another example where $47 million, um, which is a large contract um, and something that we should definitely take advantage of. That That's that's an asset. It's not just like looking at the players and the picks that we have. His contract, which is an expiring contract, by the way, is a very, very uh, lucrative and valuable uh, contract in my eyes because what I mentioned even in the Late Night Lake Show podcast, half the teams in the NBA, they're not looking to win. They're just looking to sell games, sell tickets, you know, just operate their business, status quo. And 
you know, w- when it comes time for paying, you know, someone maybe like their second star or second like role player that needs, you know, their market matched salary, they're looking to to dump them because you know they don't really have aspirations to win titles. Their aspirations is just to, you know, make the money necessary to just keep on, you know, going by from season to season. And if that means I get a pick or whatever it is, then that works for me because I'll I'll get you know additional rookies or whatever it is in into my system and and be paying them less money, right? So that's a big thing for me. And you know the other thing is that Russell Westbrook and LeBron James are never going to fit on a team, mm-hmm. right? And that gets loudly evident, right, when they go up and face against better teams in the fourth quarter. You have them, the two of them. You know they're not. Obviously, Westbrook's not known to be a shooter. LeBron is occasionally when when you know when he looks away from the ball and then dribbles it back, then hits that uh, three pointer. He's really good at. Um, yeah. But you know they're not shooters. They're they're playmaker playmakers first. Obviously, LeBron's an excellent scorer. Uh, but when you have those two guys on the floor, it just makes things really really tough and really easy on you know teams to play defense against you. And and it's really yeah. hard for. Uh, the team to be effective in that situation. So honestly, like, I mean, it, it just comes down to the best way to handle this is get these middle tier. If if you know, depending on where you where you're at, but like getting these middle tiered salaries and making things work that way. And if things don't work out, I mean, you you have the you have them under your bird rights, and then you can kind of decide on what to do next season um, yes. on top of what you have already in, in terms of cap space. So. That's that's where I'm at. I mean, and and that hasn't changed for me, despite you know how how good he's been. Uh, honestly, I mean, it, just the fact that he's done this should be something that you market to teams that yeah, are absolutely right. Like he's open and 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 the thing is too, like he's exciting to watch, right? I mean, he just had that really nice highlight dunk where he kind of looked like young Russ uh, in in, <laughs> in in the Kings game, um, and stuff like that is still you know. You can market that for for teams that are just selling tickets and whatnot, and um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I kind no, of I, 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 no, I 100% agree with you. Now is not the time to rest on your laurels and be like, "See, we were right about Russ all along." It's like, guys, we're still 19 and 21. Can we add some perspective to we were right all along? It's like this is the time to. You were right about maybe indirectly right about keeping Russ for for this long and it actually working with regards to him buying into what Ham wants to do to an extent. But even amidst this five-game win, five win streak, you see in games like the Sacramento Kings game where they eventually won, right? But they came back because Russ was on the floor late and, you know, they were condensing the floor against him. And it's just easier to scheme against him in the not even in the playoffs, but even in crucial games. And so you don't want to necessarily put it into Darvin's hands, making that decision on whether to bench Russ, whether to play or bench Russ in crucial game situations, game in and game out, you know? And especially when it comes time for the playoffs, when the pace slows down and teams have like a week to game plan against you, having Russ there is already giving them an advantage, I feel like. And I think, you know, we still do need to take into account the fact that if we do trade Russ, we will have to account for the positives that he did bring to the floor, right? Because he does have a really good synergy with the role players, especially Thomas Bryant, who I feel like they carried over their Washington Wizards chemistry together to here. Um, And the way that he pushes the pace, the, the aggressive way he puts pressure on the defense whenever he goes into the paint, 
all those things have been great from Russ, but at the end of the day, we're also starting to see the emergence of guys like Dennis Schroeder and to a lesser extent, even Patrick Beverly round into form and to a le- even lesser extent, Kendrick Nunn as well, right? Th- this is the right. reason why you have seven guards so that you can make up for Russ in a different sort of way. You won't get the same sort of impact, but as a whole in the aggregate, you will also be gaining, I don't know, better spacing, better shooting, better size, and better depth, hopefully. So I guess my last question on this topic is, we could want all these things, but do we actually think the front office will trade us? Because I don't think they will, unfortunately. Um, I think it's silly that they won't because... As we mentioned, letting $47 million walk out the door and getting nothing in return seems silly. And for the for the people who are saying, well, maybe we'll be able to re-sign Russ next year using cap space. I'm like, you can actually do both, actually. Let's say the front office actually has plans to re-sign Russ. Trade him away, get what you can, and then come summer, see if he'll come back for the room exception or something, you know? Because I do not want to be using... $10 million of our $30 million cap space to re-sign Russ, right? right? Right, So try and work both angles if you really, really want Russ back. Trade him out this season, get assets back, and then ask him to return, you know? But yeah. don't sit on him, play with fire, and hope that this Cinderella story of treading above water like carries through to the playoffs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah. again, as I mentioned, you are playing with fire every time you play with Russell Westbrook and you talk about the playoffs, and that's a $47 million fire you do not want to play with. Um, so quick answer. Do you think the front office will actually trade him or keep him? I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to trade him. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, unless, uh, honestly, unless like some like amazing deal falls into the lap somehow, I don't think they're going to give up those two picks with Russ. Um, yeah. Maybe if it's if it's Russ and one pick. Uh yeah maybe maybe there's a, there's a chance for that but I I don't think I don't foresee any team really doing us a favor in that fashion they're gonna want to take both picks yeah I agree and also because obviously keeping Russ means we don't have to take back long term contracts that are bloated in size so the Lakers can assure themselves that they stay under the repeater tax yeah um plus they also don't have to admit that they were wrong about the Russ trade and Darvin Ham loves Russ so those are all the reasons why I think. It won't happen as well. So to close this episode, let's quickly talk about 10 days. You already gave your impressions of what happened when you first heard Sterling Brown. Yeah. Sim- honestly, similar gut reaction to like, okay, 6-5, got it. Makes right, sense. Right. Uh, there is the cool story angle of him being Shannon Brown's brother and and LeBron James having played with Shannon Brown. But putting all that to the side... Um, there are rumors that the Lakers are about to work out uh, DeMarcus Cousins. What are your thoughts on potentially signing DeMarcus Cousins to a 10-day? And then if not DeMarcus Cousins or if we can sign another 10-day because I know Troy Brown just missed his third straight game, which means the Lakers can avail of a hardship exception coming right. up. Um, who else would you want to particularly sign? And if you don't have a specific name in mind like i guess what skill sets let's say they have two spots what skill sets do you think the lakers should uh sort of try to acquire with those two spots and i'll just give my quick take on demarcus cousins really quick Mm -hmm. i think i'm actually okay with him i'm a little biased because i always have been a, a big demarcus cousins fan um he obviously has familiarity with the lakers organization and was with us for almost the entire 2020 championship season albeit on the bench 
He obviously is very close with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. May also be good to sort of have another fiery, motivating presence to have in the locker room along with Patrick Beverly, especially if, you know, Russell Westbrook is shipped out. He did work with Darvin Ham last season during his 17-game stint with the Bucks and was yeah. pretty productive. Nine points, six rebounds in 16 minutes. Um, so I know Ham is a big supporter of his. I think the biggest reason for me as to why I'm okay with it is I feel like he serves as a... In, in the meantime, I feel like he serves as a slower, more loafing Anthony Davis proxy in Anthony Davis's pra- uh, in Anthony Davis's absence. So yeah. since he's a big who likes to isolate, he can post up, can space, can pass. Obviously, he's not as quick or as athletic as Anthony Davis, and he doesn't bring anything on the defensive end. But right. in terms of some of the offensive versatility, if we want to see and envision what Thomas Bryan and Anthony Davis would look like together on the court when AD's back. I think maybe getting DMC in now would help us give us help give us a better idea of what that mm. could potentially look like, you know? And even if we do keep him on once Anthony Davis is back, it's never bad, obviously, to have big man insurance for Thomas Bryan and Anthony Davis, two bigs who don't necessarily have durability in their NBA careers. So where do you stand on DeMarcus Cousins and do you have any other names you want to throw out there? Yeah, I actually don't mind uh you know, giving Boogie a look for a 10-day. I mean, it's very low risk, potentially high reward. And especially since Damian Jones has kind of fallen out of the rotation, I think it just makes a little bit more sense for having that insurance. Um, And I like that point that you just made uh, about, you know, kind of seeing what the AD-Thomas Bryant pairing would look like with the pseudo-Boogie and and Thomas Bryant pairing right now. Uh, I also think it, it just adds a little bit more size, too. Uh, which yep. which is which is not too bad, and I, we talked about this in the, in the Twitter DMs. But you know, Coach Ham coming from the Bucks, I, I kind of you know foresaw that we would see, and we did see like very very early on in the season. But see, Brook Lopez slash Giannis uh, type of defense when it when it pertains to Anthony Davis and another big, and you know Boogie and Thomas Bryant can provide that. I mean, it's like if if you can funnel you know guards or perimeter players to them, they're they're still you know trees up there mm-hmm. and as long as they stay uh to the ground and have their hands up they can uh, at least deter or affect shots um it's like that uh marcus all dynamic when he was on the lakers right yeah yeah i know that, that's also another good uh example Mar- marcus all was just very savvy his feet didn't work that well but he always yeah. kind of find it knew how to get into the right position uh at times so i wouldn't mind him i think uh i just went on a rant on, on our latest late night lake show podcast i kind of was just hammering uh palenka in the front office and just saying like why are you guys not getting creative why not give jay huff some 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 minutes here yep um jay huff you know opposite to what we just talked about boogie uh actually uh is a really good defender and something that's you know i think skills wise can translate in the nba's you know, if you've kind of perfected the art of shot block timing and, and, you know, you've been consistent from your high school to collegiate to even the G League, I think that's something that you could probably translate to the NBA where he's been averaging around like two blocks per game. Um, just cause like his, his, he has that knack for like, cr- you know, crazy length. Uh, his timing's always good. He's young. So he's got fresh legs. You know, that's something that's, I feel like he has a leg up on you know boogie cousins and a lot of other bigs like mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to get into cody zeller like i don't even know what what, what state he's at <laughs> right now that's another play that they planned on working out but I, I don't know like be creative i mean we have some guys on the south bay team that are very very skill skillful and i think 
you know, during this AD hiatus, I think it would have been a good chance to, to see what he has. I don't think really he's really got a, you know, a chance to prove himself. But that would have been nice. Um, outside of that, I think you asked me um, what type of skill or archetype type players. Um, I know he just got uh, scooped up by a team. I forget who, but I think PJ Dozier would have been a really nice yeah. um, flyer type yeah. of player. Um, and, and I think this is the time to like, you know, take these flyers, right? It's going to like, we're not going to be able to hit that home run on that first, you know, signing. Of this is the Stanley attended. Johnson time. <laughs> yeah. This is the Stanley Johnson time, right? Like see, like just kind of rotate it. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to make a fantasy basketball, uh, no, go an, for it. A- analogy, but like, you know, when you're, when you're in a head to head, you know, competition and you're, you're fighting out like the categories and you're trying to see what, what stats you need to, to pad, I guess, or boost you, you uh, what I do is I have a streamer uh, position mm-hmm. where like I'll keep on streaming players throughout the, the 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 days go on and why not stream some of these guys and see what they really Absolutely. have to offer and and do it now when when we can kind of get this data and actually analyze like if these if these guys are a good fit or not and uh, I mean clearly like you know with, with our front office scouting team like they they should be able to we should lean on them and see what they have. Uh, in terms of you know knowledge and information and be able to assess if some of these guys that are out there can provide like another guy I, I was looking at was Josh Jackson another, another wing size mm-hmm. player he was yep. he's bounced around a lot but like you know he has that athletic uh, athleticism he has a size um, I'm, I'm not too you know privy of his skills but like you know just throwing him on this team like when you play him like with LeBron James like superstar players like you always see these types of players play up, right? Because now their job and their lives are a, bit, a lot easier, right? They have to just, like, look at Andrew Wiggins when he, you know, found, and obviously this is a totally different example, but, like, Wiggins, when he found himself on the, the Warriors, his role was just like, okay, I need to defend the heck out of the their best player and just rebound and, you know, make cuts and all this kind of stuff. When your role gets really defined, it's very easy as a athletic, you know, big size, like, wing size player to do your job really well. Um, and I think, you know, taking flyers and, you know, t- taking advantage of the Stanley Johnson time right now would have been nice. So I kind of go back and forth. Like, you know, I would prefer the two wings look like or to look at two wings. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to looking at, you know, say a boogie or, or giving Jay Huff some time and then, uh, you know, Josh Jackson or another wing size player. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think with the way that the Lakers are trying to play right now, it's almost like we could use a more skilled version of Wenyan Gabriel or another Thomas Bryant, you know what I mean? Whether that's a tweener big or like you mentioned, a wing. And so um, a guy like Jay Huff would potentially fit that just because, I mean, I know he's a more traditional big, but like you mentioned, he's a really good shot blocker. He can move a little bit. He can space the floor as well. I think he just needs more time in the NBA to just get experience and get that rhythm, right? But when it comes to like trying to find that next Wenyan Gabriel, I know people are going to laugh at this, and I have been sort of uh, promoting this guy the way, same way that I've been promoting Utah Watanabe all year. I will, but... I will, I will never forget your uh, Utah Watanabe <laughs> propaganda. I was so behind you. I was, I was like, I was like, I'm rooting for Jonathan. I know, and, and, dude. And I was getting Utah and. I think the second he got signed, I, I might have tagged you or like said something. You did, you did. <laughs> so, so my upset. next uh, Utah-like propaganda goes with a name that many NBA fans are familiar with. He's kind of like the butt of jokes. And I know we don't talk about him 
But I want to talk about Bruno, finally. Bruno Caboclo played Summer League with the Jazz. He's in the G League right now. I think he's averaging um, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 2.3 blocks. He's still 27 years old. I mean, you're not really asking him to do much but run the floor and maybe use his length, right? So I think he has like a 7'7 seven seven wingspan, which is insanity. That's insane, And yeah. so if he's actually showing something in the G League and he actually had a really solid Summer League with the Jazz... I don't know, why not throw him out there? And given what we've seen from Wenyan Gabriel, who's not exactly the most skilled player in the NBA, he's just running off fumes and his natural talent. And, you know, slowly he's been able to work himself into the system and know where to be. It's like, just throw physical clay out there and see what happens. Because right now, all we're trying to do is stem the tide. And it seems like the guys that work best around LeBron James are guys that can run with him and guys who will do the dirty work. Mm-hmm. Bruno Caboclo is fighting for his NBA life. Maybe his, he's willing to do that, and his seven foot seven wingspan helps. You know, so guys like that. Um, I know there are. I know Mo Harkless is out there. If you want a veteran name, Justin Anderson. If you want a veteran name, um, some more creative guys who are also two way eligible. By the way, I, I would like to add Jay Scrub, who the mm. Clippers I think yeah, cut the in the summer. Uh, Robert Woodard. I don't know why this guy's not in the league. Something something must be up, but he's like 6'8 with a 7-foot wingspan. Elijah Hughes. I know Mama D. Diakite, who played for the OKC Thunder last season, is playing really well in the G League right now. I know you probably know some of these names because yeah, of fantasy, no. and Diakite had yeah. a little bit of a run he last did, year. He did, he um, did. And Scrub, too. Jay Scrub. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like the Lakers should expand their search a little bit if they have that additional spot and see. Maybe, you know, if you have two spots, use one on a veteran, sure, but then use the other one on one of these younger flyers who fit the mold of what you're doing right now. Fast-paced, frenetic play, right? Um, more athleticism. So, Question for you. Sorry to yeah. cut you off. I know you no. mentioned that um, if Troy was to miss more time, would we get that? Uh, we, would we get another a hardship exception? Because he's we out would. for tonight's so game. It's, yeah. So if you have three players who are out for an extended period of time, you you need one other player who's at least going to be out for three days. Or okay. sorry, three games. So because Troy Brown is out, the Lakers can avail of the hardship exception and bring in another guy. At this point. That would also assume, though, that Troy Brown doesn't come back within the next, you know, week because once he comes back, then you have to get rid of that other 10-day guy you signed. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think we're both in agreement that Sterling Brown, great story. You know, he knows Darvin Ham, et cetera, but let his 10-day expire and let's bring up a boogie or let's bring up one of these young guys, Jay Huff, et cetera, et cetera, to see what we can actually do here. But yeah, I'll, I'll also throw out Noah Vonley because I know the you know the Celtics signed him, but he he's to me good. is like literally another Wenyan Gabriel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he just rebounds the ball. He's got like a seven foot four wingspan. Let him muck it up he's down active, there, run yeah. the floor, see what he can do. So um, yeah, with that said, I think that'll do it for this episode. We're gonna have we're gonna have you on for another episode. We're gonna do a twofer, Omar. Yeah, let's um, do it. So I hope Lakers fans enjoyed your guesting here. Again, check out Late Night Lake Show for more of Omar. Um, but with that said, Omar, any last words on your first guesting on the Lakers Legacy podcast? No, I, I, I had uh, a ton of fun. I'm excited to get into the next part of it, which is going to be uh, forcing our creative sides to get into uh, figuring out how to how to make this roster better. <laughs> Absolutely. So stay tuned for a trade hypotheticals episode with Omar. But for now, we'll wrap it up here. Hope the Lakers can continue this like little positive momentum thing that they've got going on, in, regardless of whether or not they beat the Denver Nuggets. But so far, I, I think the messaging here is 
the front office needs to take advantage of yeah. the positive momentum that we've gained. And as LeBron James said, they know WTF what they should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, we will end it there. And Omar, I will catch you next time. Alrighty. See ya. Peace. Thank you.